Don't be afraid of aging. As the saying goes, don't be afraid of anything but fear itself. Find your perfume before you turn 30. Wear it for the next 30 years. No one should ever see your gums when you talk or laugh. If you only own one sweater, make sure it's cashmere. Wear a black bra under your white blouse, like two notes on a sheet of music. One must live with the opposite sex, not against them, except when making love. Be unfaithful, cheat on your perfume, but only on cold days. Go to the theater, to museums, and to concerts as often as possible. It gives you a healthy glow. Be aware of your qualities and your faults. Cultivate them in private, but don't obsess. Make it look easy. Everything you do should seem effortless and graceful. Not too much makeup, too many colors, too many accessories. Take a deep breath and keep it simple. Your look should always have one thing left undone. The devil is in the details. Be your own knight in shining armor. Cut your own hair or ask your sister to do it for you. Of course you know celebrity hairdressers, but only as friends. Always be fuckable. When standing in line at the bakery on a Sunday morning, buying champagne in the middle of the night, or even picking up the kids from school, you never know. Either go all gray or no gray hair. Salt and pepper is for the table. Fashion rules the world and Parisians rule fashion. Fine, it may not be true, but the world still needs fairy tales. Thanks, Sam, for that reading. Of course. Welcome back, everyone, to this week's episode of Nympha Alumni. So we decided to convene on the topic of French girl fashion style ethos following the recent death of Jane Birkin, who was British, but really embodied the sense of French effortlessness and I guess constant fuckability that Sam just mentioned. Yeah. So yeah, we just wanted to reflect on what it means to be a French girl if she's a myth. And I think also something we're interested in talking about is kind of how she's perpetuated as something you can buy into, basically. Yeah, the quote I just read is from a book called How to Be Parisian Wherever You Are. A lot of people say that this is like the French girl tips Bible. And I didn't mean to do this, but I just like started the book last night and then I read the entire thing (laughs) for some reason, like really quickly. Um, And I do actually feel like I learned a lot, even though I have some critiques that I will voice later. But in light of Jane Birkin's tragic death, we're trying to analyze like the enigma of the French girl, the messy French girl, the it girl is. And like what the qualities are. Um, Do you guys have like maybe a composite of what the French girl is in your head? Like, do you have any qualities that you would like to name out? Like what, what is like the first thing you think of? I think the first thing I think of is like messy hair that's like tousled. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would say they're, yeah, they're usually quite skinny as well in like an effortless way. Effortlessness is definitely like the core pillar of, all of this but there's a double standard to that as we have learned mm-hmm. absolutely yeah i also think of really basic clothing that for some reason looks good so jeans kind of basic top i also think of like lifestyle accessories like cigarettes and also i guess talking about like the effortlessness the the cultivated effortlessness i also think of like 
someone who just seems cool all the time. Do you guys know anyone like this? Like in real life who is French? Um, no, I actually don't think I know anything. I'm like, I don't think I've ever met a French person. Like, I don't know. I don't think I don't. I, I don't know a lot of French people. I work with a decent amount Kevin, of French people. Ke- oh, yeah. Kevin is French Canadian, right? Kevin is. Yeah, he's no, he's French. He's just straight oh. up French. Um, he start. He's been. Yeah. Two times he's been on the podcast. So he's my one French like reference point. I started another book called 60 Million Frenchmen Can't Be Wrong, Why We Love France But Hate the French last night. And it was discussing a lot of weird laws surrounding labor in France. Like, for example, women, I guess in the 2000s, weren't allowed to work the night shift for some reason. Like, it was, like, banned (laughs) because it was assumed that, like, women are taking care of children in the daytime and it would be unfair for them to work in the evenings. They have really interesting laws surrounding labor there. I don't know if that's like related to the enigma, but a lot of the articles I was reading about French girls is like kind of projecting this image of France of like they only work 35 hours a week and like French girls don't get fat. That was like such a repeated phrase. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a book literally called French Girls Don't Get Fat. But yeah, I think there's like such an enigma of France people have built up in their heads. I was just going to say there's an interesting chapter in this book on how to be Parisian wherever you are. That gives a lot of examples of how the most famous Parisians are foreigners, like Marie Antoinette, Josephine Baker, Jane Birkin, Romy Schneider, all of these women who have come to exemplify Parisian chicness are actually from somewhere else. And they're like, she's not born in Paris, but reborn there. And I think there are a lot of people like on social media who do this whole thing. And even within France, what we think of as like French girl style is definitely just distinctly Parisian. But it's so interesting because, like, we talked about fashion core, and there's even this, like, quote in the section that you read, Sam, that's, like, fashion rules the world and Parisians rule fashion. But there's something about French girls' style that is kind of feels oppositional to the fashion industry as a whole, just, like, in its insistence of timelessness and, like, being unbridled by trends, I guess, or just, like, being opposed to ostentatious designer clothes and basics and classics but also I think like a the element of androgyny is really important to French girl style I think they were kind of the first ones that started this like boyfriend garment trend of like wearing a big button-up shirt or wearing like boyfriend jeans or even things like Gucci loafers that can be a bit like masculine so yeah it has like an interesting relationship with femininity I feel like yeah in terms of like the like foreign French girl like I was actually just thinking like a messy French girl is literally like in reality just a pouty like British brunette a la (laughs) Alexa Chung like Alexa Chung is definitely a French girl but she's not French whatsoever I don't even think like does she live in France like I don't think so but she embodies that to me for some reason I feel like British women are funnier and nicer so they are they like they can put on a show maybe a little bit more sometimes because I feel like the thing about the French woman as well is like with French girl style it's like somewhat unapproachable right versus I was actually going through Alexa's Instagram today because she's always been known for being quite like self-deprecating in her humor and she always brings that through in her Instagram caption she has a very like specific tone of voice that's like how embarrassing it is that she's making an Instagram post of herself all the time (laughs) and I was just thinking about that as like a characteristic that I think really makes people 
seem to uh, still really like her. I mean, the the book, How to Be Parisian Wherever You Are, was really emphasizing self-deprecation. It's like an inherent quality to French women, kind of like never taking yourself too seriously, always embracing embarrassing moments and kind of chaos is like a means to humble yourself and find the humor in the little things. But I think like there's just this sort of severeness because I was trying to really get to the heart of the issue with like French culture, which obviously I can't really do as a foreigner who had a limited amount of time to do research for the episode. But I do think the reason why French people seem a bit more serious than um like maybe British people is like this sort of culturally accepted value of like grandeur in this book I was reading it was saying how like French people tend to make great men out of talented people for example like uh if someone's like a talented musician or singer or fashion designer like Karl Lagerfeld or Coco Chanel apparently the French media tends to seek them out to opine on every subject even subjects that these people knew very little about and that's why we have like a million quotes of like French fashion designers about like random ass subjects and that sort of thing. Um, because I think that people just like sought them out for their expertise about how to live life. And so they're still pretty self-deprecating, but they speak on authority on like issues that like, you know, that they don't know anything about, you know what I mean? Like, um, no offense. Like I find that very charming. I guess the, the reason that like Jane Birkin and Alexa Chung seem so charming is Maybe because they seem kind of like, I guess, technically provincial compared to like the fashion core French people. So they always were taking that kind of like, uh, I guess, more playful approach to what they do. I mean, they physically look British. I feel like that's important. I mean, Alexa Chung is like a quarter Korean, but I think maybe it is because they have like the style signifiers of French chicness. But then they have, like, English rose features. Yeah, I think they might be a little bit too... What what made them such apt fashion icons is that they're, like, a little bit too pretty. The essence of, like, French girl whatever is, like, being a little perfectly imperfect, having crooked teeth. You know, obviously you're smoking cigarettes all the time, so your skin and, like, I don't, I don't know, like, you're not wearing that much makeup also. Um, I think they've come to exemplify, like, a better version of that. They both do look quite perfect. <laughs> yeah, I I feel I have mixed feelings because I agree with you guys, but I think the foreignness from France makes them so much more French girl to me, and their sort of like gangliness and even prettiness. Um, yeah, they just they embody something quintessential about like a Parisian girl to me. But obviously, they are both. British but yeah Jane Birkin is like France really claims her like they really like Mm -hmm. claim her as their own so I think like something about Paris must be heavily influenced by like its outsiders you know like I think that that's the the heart of that city I don't know we kind of we kind of do the same thing like have immigrants that obviously love America so much that we can't help but indulge them like Arnold Schwarzenegger is like one of those American people ever but he's like German (laughs) or Austrian sorry that's true so I think it's just an example of that like no one like if you're a native French person you probably don't have the same appreciation as someone who comes in from the outside and is like actually choosing and like devoting their life to this aesthetic but somehow yeah it it is really ironic because they've like become these tryhards in something that you're not really supposed to be a tryhard at but that's a whole duality they literally it's they became like huge pick me's for France and it worked. Mm-hmm. That's kind of crazy. 
Well, this is where I felt like one of the most important things we should discuss in this episode came from is that like whenever I started researching this and there's even like an aesthetics wiki page and stuff and like if you go on Vogue and you click on the tag like French girl there's like thousands like literally thousands of articles from the past 20 years and if you just google it on the internet like millions upon millions of articles that just kind of list uh, guidebooks and like routines and style of the French girl. You know, they're just kind of like instruction manuals on how to embody like the French mindset. And it's just the same message. It's very repetitive, like slave over your image, but never let them see you sweat. And to me, it just seems like so neurotic to obsess over just like a random concept of like a foreign country and a foreign woman and try to embody that in your own life like that just seems like so anti the never let them see you sweat mentality you know like I think it signals like a type of neuroticism I like what you wrote here Sam that says um there's a limited amount of time French women can scream I have I don't give a fuck energy off a rooftop (laughs) before we start to question if they're actually crazy I think at this point like French women actually don't give a fuck but it's like Americans and like other people that are keeping this um industry going obviously but also there's something like so uniquely millennial about it. And I just like associate it with early internet outlets like Refinery29 and stuff. Like obviously Vogue still will publish things like this occasionally, but it's kind of gone to like the detritus of weird websites that are post Refinery29. Like I was seeing a lot of stuff about like the French girl in-flight beauty routine, the French girl way to tan, how to wear your denim like a French girl, but they're all from these like kind of third rate digital only websites so I think it's it's definitely mm-hmm. lost its chicness a little bit and I think it is a uniquely millennial woman obsession um and I have a few theories on like what it's been replaced by but I yeah Jane Birkin's passing has reminded me that she's even irresistible to the strongest of us <laughs> yeah I guess also she has that uh, an ingenue quality that once again I think is not doesn't necessarily Oh God, I just remember the word um, coquette is French. And I was like, oh my God, like, yeah, they're everywhere. Oh. <laughs> but no, God, what was I going to say? Oh, yes, the millennial aspect of this. So I cooked up a theory a couple years ago that part of the reason Indie Sleaze faded away was because kind of like uh, a few years after the recession, when millennials had to go and get like office jobs for the first time or really try to. They kind of like cleaned up and made their style a bit more minimalist uh, in line with brands like like Glossier and kind of that era of girl boss that we think of. And I think the French girl fashion became more important there because it was really easy to um it's kind of like it's kind of work appropriate, you know? Like ballet flats, blazers, navy. It's just a totally non-offensive, like in any scenario. It's like, oh, wearing a little black dress on a date. Like there are so many things about it that seem really obvious at this point. If you wear it correctly, it's also supposed to make you look really chic, which I guess is like the ultimate hope for having to wear a, a plain outfit to like an office or to like mm-hmm. a, an environment where you feel like you can't really express yourself completely. Yeah, there's yeah. this whole thing of like, it's not about what you wear, what you buy, it's how you wear it that I think is really central to the vibe. But then also like, it's so contradicted by the fact that now French girl style, if you look it up, it's just like a barrage of listicles about like, what are French girls buying to like, wear at the beach or like, what sunscreen are they buying or like, all of this stuff that has become a wish list. So that's why I don't know the the book How to Be Parisian. A lot of it 
embodies things that are like not Bible items, but a lot of it is like romanticizing your life in every single way. It's like French girls like to rummage in their bag in the middle of a walk to like look for something. I'm just like, what? Like, how has even that been <laughs> like categorized as a French girl thing to do? Yeah, like the the thing that I took away from that book was very much like most of the tips on how to be like a French girl don't really have anything to do with France or like French culture. Like there is obviously a few things that they told you to do that were like very French specific. Like they were like never drink a Bordeaux or like, like, you know, be very snobby about regional wine in France, like that type of thing, which you can't really do easily outside of France. But everything else was just kind of like how to be classy or something like that. Or, you know, I, I, I kind of like miss this type of literature, like New York Times bestsellers on like how to be like a classy woman or something. And I found myself like very begrudgingly enjoying this book so much because I think like um it embodies like this weird moment in time where like being 35 was like the most glamorous thing a woman could do like this was like that was like very much the energy of this book it was giving so many like tips on like what to do when you become a new mom and like how to get married but like in a chic way and that sort of thing and everything everything felt like it's just how to live like a casual life and that sort of thing but it, it didn't seem french specific at all and even like a lot of i was trying to get like a french take on this and yeah like every single french take i got from it was like splitting hairs about terminology like this is only in paris like women don't dress like this in marseille and that type of thing but that's very French as well. Like they are very obsessed with like rhetorical and linguistic precision. So I was like, this is like, saying something about French culture, I think more so than you would think. But this seems like such a quintessentially like American obsession, like French style. And then French like people hate America. <laughs> so yeah, I just find I, it like a little weird, you know? There's a lot of really interesting literature about this and just like French American relations in general. I'm glad you brought up the like parenting thing because there was a really popular book on French parenting called Bringing Up Bebe. One American mother discovers the wisdom of French parenting. And like some of my friends that are new moms have said that it's really good. But it's so funny to me because now it's like a French girl obsession begins at conception and it's like you're literally raising your kids in like a Francophile way. And the whole thing is really laced with like, I don't give a fuckism. And I don't know, it just like makes me sad because it seems like a really advanced form of cultural cringe and it's so self-deprecating towards the perceived failings of American culture that are usually related to like obesity, lack of sophistication, ignorance, looking like shit all the time. Um but yeah, some quotes from that book are like, on questions of how to live, the French never disappoint. Maybe it all starts with childhood. And just like kind of making up these imaginary situations of like, how American moms are like so sloppy and always like frazzled and in this like emergency state while French kids are eating braised leeks and playing by themselves while their parents sip coffee. I always see these TikToks that are American mothers who live in France showing mm -hmm. the menu for their child's school, the, the the food they're served at school. And then in the comment section, there's tons of American moms being like, oh my gosh, I wish this was what my kids were served. Like the American school system is failing us so much. Um, yes, yeah, so I still see that echoed all the time in 
I guess TikTok parents. I love like the French that vid- that video that went super viral of like the French after school snack that's like just a baguette with a bar of chocolate inside of it. Oh my god, but that's kind of like my ideal right meal. I know it does sound yeah. really good. I literally want to cry. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, that got me distracted. There are also biz. I'm sure you've experienced this, like when you lived in New York. But there are these like weird French pockets of Brooklyn where there are a ton of French Americans mm. and kids go to French immersion schools and like eat baguettes and walk around by themselves all the time. And I've had a few friends that like nanny for these French American families and they're really as insufferable as you might imagine. But it really makes me think that like there's something going on between France and Brooklyn. But it's also because Brooklyn is such like a millennial, like 2010s hotspot that I think like French girl style is still the default here. Mm. yeah and if you think about what even you know like the the diet of the kind of somewhat well-to-do brooklyn lineal it's like flaky salts yeah it's like shoppy shop food (laughs) it's shoppy Mm -hmm. shop food also like radish and butter becoming a big little snacklet that sort of thing i actually used to work that i've never had it but it sounds good i i um used to work next to a french immersion school and um honestly whenever i would like ob- observe the schoolyard in passing when i was like walking by it looked really chill and yeah the teachers were really good looking and yeah, like I mean, they seemed really <laughs> happy Fuck, like it, it's so like it pains me to say like i can't even talk shit about this but like obviously there are a lot of things that do seem better in france than they are in america but i don't know just like overdoing it is really corny and just like constantly being like oh god americans like like the cultural cringe of being like oh america is so stupid like i wish i was in france like time to raise my kid like a french person like you can do that with well that i don't don't really get why people are sending their kids to french immersion school though unless it's for the cultural cringe reasons because i think in the past it used to be like oh i want my child to be like you know, a bit of a global citizen. I want them to be sophisticated or I want them to kind of be able to be bilingual from a young age. But it's like learning French doesn't have the same benefits that it did maybe like 20 plus years ago. Yeah, it's a pretty old world level of sophistication to like have your kids learn French. I think like weirdly enough, France is idealized for sure. And there is a lot of stuff about its lifestyle that are very is very romantic, like in theory. Definitely, like, it has an elevated levels of, like, social, like, discontents right now. Just, like, way, like, elevated, like, discontents about, like, immigration and workers' rights at the moment, you know, that, like, seem different from the United States. And also something, you know, not to get into this whole thing. I do think it is, like, a form of cultural cringe. But I've had, like, so many people that I've met who have been French like and then come to Texas and they're just like I've just like always thought like in France that like Texas and like the American South is full of like uneducated racists and that type of thing and they just like very openly just kind of say that to my face which I don't think they realize like how offensive that sort of thing is you know like Texas literally being one of the most diverse states in the United States you know and that type of thing I just think it is like um (laughs) I think I don't know both of those things can be true though like the Francis and Paris especially is like so multicultural right now but like people are still really racist there yeah it's true and I don't know I read a pretty interesting article of like some like French influencers of color like talking about the development of like the French girl fashion myth and how much it just like doesn't apply to what you see in Paris today yeah I don't know I just think it's 
it, this idealized view of France, I think, is definitely not something that exists in reality. In terms of, like, lifestyle, like, I think there's, like, conceptual things that maybe are applicable. And I did, did actually really like reading the How to Be Parisian book and thought it was – I actually am going to take, like, a lot of this advice, <laughs> like, weirdly enough. But, like, there's still, like, downfalls in, like, most Western countries. It has, like, the same problems that, like, everyone else has, you know, in tr- like, in the modern day and, like, our globalized society – we all kind of share these problems, you know? As someone who technically lives in Europe now, it's just so much more chill here. I feel like you have a lot more time to be like, what perfume suits my essence best? Mm-hmm. Like, you just have the time to do that. And I think the way of life influences the kind of weird lifestyle accessories a lot as well. Like, there is that um, TikTok sound that's like, and then for lunch we have like one half, what is it? Oh my god, wait, I wanted to talk about that because that's German. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's (laughs) German. It's German. But like it it's literally true though. And it's also like there's there's things like for example how the it's really normal here to go to the grocery store every single day or like multiple times a day. Therefore, you're more likely to be like spotted in the street, like carrying a baguette or like fresh flowers. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like you have these little lifestyle accessories of the French, I guess that make your life look really picturesque and kind of like romanticized, like romanticizing the shit out of your life, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like, yeah, part of how people live. Yeah. I also want to talk about how like the French girl style and like wardrobe is supposed to be timeless, but it's like kind of in the same way that an Aritzia capsule wardrobe is supposed to be. But I don't know, like something about it does seem really outdated, like Alexa Chung being the most recent incarnation of it i don't know who's like keeping it alive now but i feel like in recent years those who choose to do like the cultural cringe euro larp either prefer like scandinavian style has become really big with matilda jerf and such and like they're a brand of scandy minimalism the deconstructed berlin fantasy which is very much that like audio of like for lunch we have a cigarette (laughs) and then yeah for like normies i feel like it's like the mediterranean like balearic grooviness like the Ibiza um, thing, which can feel a little bit more like straight up luxury. So maybe it's like a class divide, but I feel like Germany, like I can confidently say that Germany has replaced France as like the new aspirational country for Americans. Do you guys think that's true at all? I think for certain, in certain circles, definitely like the Berlin chokehold that has been like growing and growing exponentially just with artsy types. But I think generally for the average person, France is always going to kind of remain the idealized place to visit and live in in Europe but I have seen so much like anti-European sentiments on TikTok where I'm like Gen Z is very like I feel like they feel this like weird cultural like semi-ironic like need to have this sort of like cultural battle with like Europe or something like that and a lot of that seems to be pointed at France so maybe you are correct and things are turning yeah German I mean more than also than not to French. tune our own our own horn but we did the Euro summer episode I guess like last summer and then we did the mm-hmm. Global South episode sometime in like the winter. But yeah, so I'm glad you mm-hmm. brought that up because we have been seeing these like anti-European sentiments on TikTok and people being like, fuck Euro summer, we're going to Africa or like we're going yeah. to the homeland yeah. or like people being obsessed with Brazil. So I, I think we I know, did kind of predict now, that. Yeah, now we're all going to go visit Zanzibar for our girls trip next summer. I think. Oh, I'd love so, to do that. Yeah. Bro, this is, this is crazy though because like, this is also just something weird white British people have done for forever is like go to <laughs> Africa for vacation. Yeah. 
Going to Africa just seems like such an adventure, you know, because it's so insanely far away from like America, you know, Yeah. like British people. It's like it's like a, I don't know, 10 hour flight or something. Like, I don't know how much. I think the average person, American person wants to move to like Korea or Japan now versus France. So I feel like it's not even um, a European country. I think if you were to ask the average American, they'd be like, oh, I'd love- not the average American. I don't know what the average American is doing. But I mean, um, I noticed too that even in like the most Midwestern pockets of the country or like suburbs of New Jersey and stuff, like everywhere has like a boba shop, a boba shop, like a Japanese market of sorts. Yeah. Or like a guy that or went to K-pop Korea store. for like two years to teach Korean, you know, yeah. or, te- or teach English to Koreans or something. I yeah, know. I think it's more like a future facing thing, like the cyberpunk fantasy than like, yeah, I always see normies like wearing bucket hats and like PacSun sells like shirts that have like a little vaporwave thing that say Tokyo on them and stuff. Like mm-hmm. it's a really intense normie thing. Yeah, so you're, mm-hmm. that's that's correct. I feel like that's Yeah, kind of, that's true. I would say that's true. Because we're tired of getting fun of by (laughs) Europeans. Yeah, literally. Well, the thing is, is, oh God, I'm not even going to get into this because I feel like, but yeah, I just find it, some things I hear coming from Europe about anti, like anti-American sentiments are just, they're just like a little too out of pocket. Like y'all got to chill. Like we're super nice to y'all. We think y'all are like interesting and stuff and we, I don't know. Anyways. Yeah, but that's what makes us look more stupid i think like the french girl obsession like it probably makes french people think that we're more stupid well that um, i do I, I agree with them because that we should not be so obsessed with like the habits and daily lives of like a foreign person that's like just like a concept like i think it's low-key bizarre to be so obsessed with french girl fashion and yeah you know like but i think I'm, americans we just love products like i think french girls aren't we're not we don't love you we it's like we love you as a product <laughs> yeah, yeah like, and we, we love like, like movies also. yeah we love movies we love the cinema like we don't like you yeah you know it's true that's true like you you're just that's, that's a really good point like yeah most people aspire to french girl lifestyle they wouldn't really want to be friends with like an actual french person <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i feel like, like french people don't want to be friends with us they're constantly passing laws like banning American shit. Sorry, I have a ahead. crazy anecdote to share. Okay, I've go. been go reflecting on. on my life and I realized I went to school with two heirs to the Michelin fortune after their dad died in a speedboat accident and they were so mean. They were so mean. They, one of them, there were two of them. I'm not going to say their names, but they were very French names. And one of them uh, intentionally dropped a book on my sister's head, like a textbook from like a really high height. And then one of the other one, her her like favorite hobby was like stamping on people's toes. And also we were kind of old. We were like in late middle school. Why were they there? What the hell? Yeah, that is insane. And why are they not in private school? No. They, they were at private school. Oh. Oh. Yeah um this was a private school but yeah they um they were not they were not chic at all yeah which may speak to the point that like i feel like french because they are obviously very wealthy but i don't know i mean dying in a speedboat accident i guess is really chic that's so bond girl but yeah r.a.p that's like horrible to hear but um yeah, no, that is very... Okay, but... Well, they have PTSD from their dad. I don't know. I forgive them. 
One thing that I can cite is that I was really interested in like the French POV on all this because I was feeling inundated by like the American POV that was making me cringe a bit. And there's this um, historian, Richard Cresel, who specializes in Franco-American relations. And it's like everything he writes is like the academic equivalent of or like antidote to all of this like French girl drivel. But he has these two books, Seducing the French, The Dilemma of Americanization and The French Way, How France Embraced and Rejected American Values and Power. And he has this good segment that I might read from The French Way, I think, on how America functioned as the other in configuring French identity. And I quote, to be French was not to be American. Americans are conformists, materialists, racist, violent, and vulgar. The French were individualist, idealist, tolerant, and civilized. Americans adored wealth. The French worshipped la douceur de vivre. <laughs> Kids be French. Um, this caricature of America, which was already broadly endorsed at the beginning of the century, served to essentialize French national identity. At the end of the 20th century, the French strategy was to use America as a foil, as a way of defining themselves, as well as everything from their social policies to their notion of what constituted culture. And I was I was just going to say that like my biggest realization in all of this is that France and America are really a mirror of each other. Like obviously France is older, but we went through these revolutions at a similar time. They were notably like our first friend, you know, and like helped us win the Revolutionary War. And we were both founded as like these republics on lofty humanist ideals of equality and independence, which kind of went like waywards, as we know. But I think the reason why contemporary anti-Americanism feels so hurtful is because of this like initial friendship and long running alliance. Like it's literally the primal wound from which French girl style obsession exploded and this like unrequited love was born. Like, I just want us to be friends again, basically. It's definitely, like, interesting because I think America has served as a, as a means to be a foil in politics throughout the globe. But in France, it's just so especially true. Where, like, this book I was reading, The 60 Million Frenchmen Can't Be Wrong, was just kind of talking about how there's, like, a, this popular view of France as, like, a country that really rejects globalization. Which, you know, like, the stereotype is that it's quite xenophobic. Its politics are very anti-immigration. Um, they kind of try to force assimilation onto immigrants and that sort of thing. But that like most of these policies are justified not through like a rhetoric of xenophobia. This book is outdated, so I don't know if this still applies. But what the book was saying is like it's it's justified through anti-American sentiments and like a really good way of like shutting down certain bills in French Congress is by calling them Anglo-Saxon and like to French people, Anglo-Saxon doesn't mean British or like wasp. It means like any American. And so this, this like book cites like of instance in French media where they were talking about Spike Lee, the director, and they were calling him Anglo-Saxon when he's <laughs> like a black American, you know? So like, I think that we've built up this idea of France in our heads and the French person and they've done the same to us like inversely but like with us it's this sort of mixed relationship of like this romantic chic person that's like a little bit rude but we really represent like a monstrous concept to them um which I think is interesting like I think it's interesting that they've based so much of their politics on anti-American sentiment and it doesn't necessarily apply to us like we don't really use them as like a political foil to build policy you know um it would be crazy if we did like yeah in this day and age well that wouldn't fly here you know i'm also thinking about like how american fashion was just not a reputable thing until the 70s 
and how obviously that happened through the iconic fashion Ugh. show, the Battle of Versailles, where American and uh, French designers both showed designs and the American designers that included young African-American designers like Stephen Burroughs really out, outshined the French designers that was like the first time American fashion was like considered to be legitimate really. But before that, like all the designs in America were basically like at um, like Saks Fifth Avenue, et cetera, were just copied from French designs. So they would like send them over and then American designers and design teams would just like make copies of them. I mean, I well, guess that's why they think we're losers. Like, cause, <laughs> like we have been jacking their swag for like a really long time. Like, yeah, the world has yeah. been doing that. That's like the origin of fashion, pretty much. Is like in the 17th century, like King Louis the 14th, his court started um, like determining French tastes and style, and like the French media started printing the first versions of fashion prints, and the average person, or just like more uh, like general public with access to to some wealth, were able to emulate like the French court, and I don't know how many hundreds of years later now we have like the fashion industry which is so economically important to them which is something else I, I want to get into is like how important culturally fashion is to the French and economically I don't know if y'all have any takes on this I don't know, I don't about know what else there is the to say really <laughs> yeah well I just found this like um like New York Times human interest piece from 1995 that was describing like French online dating profiles and commenting on how in France, like people were describing themselves to potential partners in terms of their clothing. And so like their profile, their profiles would be like, I adore Nike, Reebok and Adidas or oh my God. their pseudonyms would be like Hermes scarf. And someone asked the person like, why do you call yourself Hermes scarf? And he would reply because I like luxury. So it it is it's so it's not only economically important in terms of the fashion industry being like a multi billion dollar industry, it's also just culturally very important. So I think um, that's another aspect of like why French girl fashion is um, something that is a source of fascination for people. Um, do you think that they still do that? Oh, I wish. I hope so. I don't know. I really this so. is like giving New York. I feel like there are so many guys that are unhinged, being like we can wear Rick Owens together and shit. Like, it's just a matter of corny yeah. people. <laughs> being, being oh, like, like, like send, send me your essence wish, wish list. Oh, no, exactly. Yeah. I guess with the essence wish list, it's like not brand specific. And also, I guess I never really thought of like French people being that addicted to a specific brand, but they me definitely neither. are because that in our American idea deal is like, oh, you know, the French girl is more about what's a good garment versus the brand. But maybe that's not true. Yeah, and I think vintage fetishization is a uniquely French girl thing as well. Um, yeah. yeah, I agree. I Yeah, I also didn't think they had, like, a, like, kind of, like, a passion for fashion in the very fashion core way. But it seems like that's a big part of, like, French society. I mean, it makes sense because it's like Paris being the capital of fashion. Like, it, of course, would inspire a lot of obsession from certain people, perhaps. But um. yeah, I think it's also interesting how thinking about Jane Birkin specifically, besides 
the Birkin bag, which I still don't think people really stylistically associate with her that much. Her most signature item was her her basket bag made of mm-hmm. wick, a wicker basket material. But that does not look good when random people wear it. I saw someone wearing it the other day and put the basket inside of a bike basket, like a lime bike basket. And it looked crazy. Like a wicker bag? It was a wicker bag, yeah. But, like, I think that it's a material that's really fickle. Like, if you get a picnic basket where, like, the wicker is too thick, you just, um, like, you look kind of crazy. Yeah, that's the thing. <sighs> Wait, I'm scared there, now. It's I a, have it's one. Quite I'm a clunky. If it's, <laughs> if it's valid. Mm, I feel like we will have to we'll have to investigate. Yeah, I feel like you need to have like certain weight. Yeah, I'll send you guys a picture of it. And dimension requirements mm-hmm. for it. Yeah. It it just can be quite clunky. I think I did own a, a wicker bag or basket at some point and had that problem where it was far too clunky for me to comfortably carry anywhere and like it looked unnatural, but yeah, Jane Birkin was able to really use it in a way that looked like so just part of like it's, it seems very normal that she will be using that, even though it's an abnormal accessory. From a personal um, perspective, I will say that the feeling of wicker on skin is like a sensory nightmare. Mm-hmm. It's not like leather where yes. it's like soft to touch and like nice to hold. And you also, yeah, kind of just staring at my wicker basket right now. I'm using it to hold a bunch of like Velcro rollers for doing blowouts, which are also like a really unwieldy thing to store and use so i'm just looking at it with such resentment like the whole thing yeah it's a very unserious bag like <laughs> jane birkin was obviously unemployed you know what i mean like she <laughs> was not i don't know it is almost like a yeti cooler like you know you can just throw it around when you go outside <laughs> that's true yeah oh God, it's like the worst feeling though when they those bags like splinter oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i Venus. just know she had splinters she definitely did but she also seemed like she had a lot of endurance because she had a child when she was really young and also a first marriage. That was a thing. One thing in the Parisian, how to be Parisian book that they kept repeating is like asking someone to be your first wife or asking someone to be your oh, first yeah. husband being very Parisian. This is another thing why I think like um, what I really enjoyed actually about the Parisian book. And I don't know if this is just because it's an older book and like uh, we didn't have so much of a fetishization of youth culture back in the day. Or it's like a quintessentially French thing. But they were mentioning how like maturity and like having a lot of older friends is like really important. Um, And Jane Birkin seemed to express similar things. I like recently, I don't know where I read this, but recently read how Jane Birkin like really resented her iconic images of her being like in her early 20s, like pouty and wearing like tights and stuff. Like, she was like, yeah, I hate that. Like, I find myself, like, way more interesting looking when I'm 40 and, like, wearing, like, a slouchy oversized, like, coat or something like that, which I think is a very healthy sentiment. Like, I love the French obsession with embracing aging and being glamorous at all ages. Um, you I know? did notice someone mentioned on the Discord that yeah. they felt disappointed that all of the news outlets and most people, just in private citizens... Uh, we're only posting images of Jane Birkin when she was like 25 and younger uh, following her death as memorial. Yeah. Yeah. It's something she, it seems like she would have hated. Like she really enjoyed what she looked like at 40 and she did look fantastic, gorgeous. Like, you know, the iconic her carrying her Birkin around and Mm -hmm. it's just like the messiest, like fullest, like craziest thing you've ever seen. 
How do you guys feel about Brigitte Bardot? Okay, I actually, off the top, this is something I've always felt is like she seems very Italian to me. For some reason, I know she's French and just so iconically French, but she's such a material girl that it doesn't feel like the same archetype as like the messy French it girl. You know what I mean? Like she seems like someone that would yeah. get like a expensive manicure and like be a diva about her skincare routine in public and like make it seem like she is actually trying, you know? Yeah, I think it's because her hair always looked like a wig and it always looked like really – she was definitely had like a signature makeup style that was not at all like no makeup makeup. But I love that vision of like French girl vibes. Like I am very partial to her. But yeah, she does have that like Sophia Loren 60s bombshell vibe. Obviously, she was quite um, a small person regardless, but she was so much more voluptuous than a Jane Birkin type. Mm-hmm. I love a small person with big hair. Like, it's very Lady Gaga. Oh, oh that yeah. is so true. Did someone noted here in the notes about, oh, just like how Jane Birkin ushered out, like, the Marilyn Monroe voluptuous stereotype oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. ideal, right? Yeah, like the 50s and 60s were a really interesting time for Hollywood because there became like a bigger market for European produced films and like European film stars that had a different beauty standard. But yeah, part of like androgyny being the French girl appeal, like Jane Birkin had a really kind of like boyish vibe about her. And she spoke about getting bullied for her looks and said, I suffered a lot because of my physique, especially at boarding school. The other said I was half boy, half girl. I had no breasts, not even a developing bosom. It was horrible. And yeah, her kind of look ended up replacing the 60s or the 50s bombshell look exemplified by other European starlets like Sophia Loren, who was Italian, and Anita Ekberg, who I think was Swedish, but she starred in La Dolce Vita and became like synonymous with the image of like Italian excess and fabulosity post-war, which I feel like is like way more in fashion now also. Um like mm-hmm. the recent Kardashian controversy between Kim and Courtney, where they're like arguing about whose idea it was to have an Italian wedding and like the Dolce Vita lifestyle, <laughs> I think is really funny. Um, and also, yeah, yeah, the Kardashians are really associated with um, Italian designers like Dolce Gabbana and like Versace. Yeah, that Mediterranean um, beauty. Definitely right now, Mediterranean beauty is trending hugely. Yeah. That even feels like the way Euro Summer manifested this summer, where I think people were more taking super southern europe even close to like north africa vacations or like mediterranean vacations Mm -hmm. and stuff like whereas i feel last summer it was very french very um like gonna go see a beautiful mountain range in sweden or something you know so we're just like moving south yeah global south iconically predicting the future years ahead of time (laughs) i think also wait i saw an article recently biz that i think was in some like uk outlet about how like albania is the new hotspot for like trendy British oh, yeah. people to go visit, and that just makes me really happy. That is fucking crazy. I I've always wanted to go there. It's like my dream You're, destination. British yeah, people seen... are always like playing weird European hopscotch, as in because they live so close to continental Europe and flights are really cheap, they're always going to some random country. Like an American would yeah. just like go to Albania. Yeah, they wouldn't be like, oh, I'm gonna take my vacation to Albania. Um, I was also thinking that I feel like the only two really famous French people right now are Timothy Chalamet and Lily Rose Depp. 
but obviously they're half French. Yeah, they're very uniquely French-American. Yeah, but they're kind of like, they really mean a lot to the world. And they're both like Nepo babies now, like Timothy to a lesser extent, but his family like are quite I think they're like a performing, performing arts family, maybe the theater or... Yeah, that would make sense because he grew up in Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. He did. Um, Lily Rose Depp, though, she feels like the modern day French girl to me. I remember um, even the ballet flat company Repetto became uh, quite trendy because girls were seeing her wear them on mm-hmm. the streets and specifically seeking the that brand out versus other ballet flats you could get somewhere else. I love like um yeah her her mother and many other French icons. One thing I will say that's like amazing about French girl icons is that they always have like a random ass like like album that they dropped at some point. Like Carla Bruni making music is really interesting to me. Is Carla Bruni not Italian? Oh, wait, she's French. I thought she's she so was. Well, she maybe she was oh, just she's she's French. Born. She's married okay. to Sarkovsky. No. Okay. Oh, well, makes sense. But she's also, but she's another one of those people that is like she's so like she became French. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Like she's like a symbol yeah, of she's like naturalized. French beauty. But she, mm-hmm. but like it's crazy that once again, like speaking to like the Jane Birkin effect, mm-hmm. she like represents what it means to be a French beauty. Yeah, it's like a pouty brunette that is not from France. Oh, is like so a, is like funny. the typical French girl. Yeah, Josephine Baker, another pouty brunette that is not from France that like defined Paris. You know, like it's just pouty brunettes that are not from France are French girls. But like, um, yeah, that's the yeah, thing. Is really, like I feel like aren't okay, that many French models, I, which is surprising. Yeah, one of the you know I guess most famous one is um, Letitia Casta, mm-hmm. who. I think is so beautiful. Big model during the 90s. Famous for having great boobs. She does have a very French look. Marianne, who's like Mm. the symbol of France and France's (laughs) values, was modeled after her in uh, 1999. I actually know a lot of... No, I know a lot about this. Basically, like... um, So, you know... You guys know the Coldplay album, Viva La Vida? Yeah. So, like, the woman on that is Marianne, and she's, like, a symbol of the French Revolution, basically. And she's also supposed to kind of be a symbol of feminine beauty ideals in France. And initially, she was anonymous because she was supposed to be, like, the face of democracy. But since the 60s, there were periodic updates to the official Marianne that was modeled after whatever kind of French female celebrity had the biggest moment. So it started with Bridget Bardot. Um, And then in 1999, the French government held a nationwide vote on who should be Marianne. And Letitia Casta was selected by the French people. She was voted in to be their spokeswoman, basically. Wow. And I just think that's really really cool yes God, i i yeah. love how europe european student nationwide votes so often i feel like on like really silly stuff i was talking to a british person about so this like nationwide vote for like a new chip flavor and i don't know if he was kidding but he was like the turnout was like more than the actual <laughs> election or something <laughs> but yeah, yeah they really love to like vote for like new new things 
Yeah, this isn't even this is British too, because Carolyn Monroe was voted like the face of 1966 mm-hmm. by like the British public. And like the British public would vote like who was like the most beautiful woman in the country for yeah, and now we in, in America, weirdly enough, I think America we have sort of like a undemocratic way of choosing these things like the sexiest man alive people magazine like no one gets to choose that it's just kind of like assumed but i do think like there is an aristocratic elitism that belongs to europe that americans don't have so interesting how democracy manifests and doesn't manifest i feel like i think the marianne she's a symbol of democracy that's why she's voted in by the people Mm -hmm. like she is the face of democracy so that's why they have to cast a nation, nation, a national vote. I mean, I was the book I was reading was describing so much about how like the French, although they're like it's a bastion of Western democracy in the modern day. Culturally, they're always trying to make aristocrats out of out of people. Um, interestingly, and like kind of how um, there's this like language of aristocracy in it too, where it's like the elite schools and like the grand phrases and stuff, and like just kind of trying to create an elite is very much a part of French culture, which is interesting to me. I I need to finish this book before I comment even further, though. Before I feel like French people are literally going to kill me. Um. <laughs> no, I think they definitely pick and choose where they apply their democracy, but it was applied to Marianne. It should be applied to her. This is a... Yeah, we, I wish we had stuff like this. Yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely love uh, those sorts of polls. They feel really outdated. Like, mm-hmm. to, like you know, like mo- random towns, most beautiful baby of the year or something. Oh yeah, I mean they still do gerber baby. I love that stuff. But I mean, I think the last time America did this was like American Idol. Honestly. Yeah, that's true. Which is which is tragic that I mean, we don't we do have, that anymore. We have Eurovision, yeah. which is the same kind of philosophy. They need to do a Eurovision that's only for French French girl style icons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they need to do your vision, for models. Um, models.com does yeah, that. Well, what? Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, but I, models.com, I'm like, oh, God, nothing good can come there. But I do love models.com. Anything else we want to talk about? No, I feel healed. Yeah, me a too. I kind of want to just throw it out there. This is just a concept idea for fashion people out there that are do photography or editorial i think um doing some sort of like photo shoot with carla bruni and melania trump who are both model turned conservative first ladies this sort of like homo newton-esque like severe editorial of them holding like a pair of dobermans wearing super angular black suits would be really slay um and someone should do that yeah. i think it would be like a really crazy photo that's my only that's my that's last a good idea it's yeah. Funny because everyone always talks about how Bella Hadid based her face off of Carla Bruni. So whenever you like see pictures of them <laughs> together, it's like a really strange thing. Yeah. But I guess you could just replace Bella with with um Melania. Yeah. I just think it'd be conceptually like very campy. Um but I can see the logistical difficulties. It's definitely of that. it's definitely a good idea, so <laughs> <laughs> don't worry someone about needs that. to make this happen dude yeah i didn't know how to weave it into the episode <laughs> so i just thought i'd throw it in at the end like i don't know no it's good my request yeah should we do would you rather would you rather be french or american <laughs> i'd rather be american america baby yeah yeah, yeah i have to admit 
would you, you rather have a wicker basket that gives you splinters or have a repetto flat um where you get blisters from it the way I have both, and I just, um, <laughs> now I'm just like, oh, well, what the fuck? Um, yeah, I will say the Repetto blisters only last so long, but the wicker basket can continue to splinter forever, as I've learned. So um, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go with the shoes. Good good take. I agree. Um, I, I definitely agree. Yeah. Me too, but... I feel like I've like in my adult years come up with a good strategy of yeah. preventing them. With, That's good. That means yeah. you're mature. Like I know, yeah. It yeah, just a blow dryer and a blow dryer. Yeah, oh, like to stretch you, your shoe out. To stretch your shoe out, yeah, and then yeah. like just beating the hell out of it, like when you buy it fresh out the box. It's very yes. satisfying to do that, you know. I've been doing it's that because very belly core. I bought the yeah, it is. I bought these ballet flats from this shop in London called Pretty Ballerinas and they're so cute but they're really uncomfortable so I've been like every time I look at them instead of wearing them I just like beat the shit out of them <laughs> like I took them to be with me to America and I have a huge suitcase and like you know usually you like don't want your shits to get crushed in the suitcase mm-hmm. you kind of like pack it so nothing that is like really crushable will get crushed <laughs> I like opened it and saw them getting crushed and I was like yes perfect <laughs> Yeah, dude. Um, so yeah, I'll report back on those. those. They're really cute, though. I'd recommend. Um, they have a store in New York as well. That's really cute. Yes, it's really cute because the reason I was attracted to this store is because it has like a Wizarding World of Harry Potter vibe to it. Um, because <laughs> it's like a really tiny store with windows on all sides, and then it's just like ballet flat boxes up to the ceiling, and there's like a ladder that you have to like the attendant has to like climb up to find your shoes for you and it's like oh, really whimsical that. in there i like it yeah that but makes me really wanna... uncomfortable we'll see i i have to keep beating them yeah um, i'm trying to think of a would you rather actually request from french listeners i'm sorry if i have offended you because I really do love the French vibe. I think I was just kind of in a grumpy mood this morning. But can someone explain <laughs> Eric Zemmour to me, please? It's like a French presidential candidate that I can't wrap my head around. He was like a journalist who wrote some like very long book called The French Suicide, which I'm not going to read. But um, like I'm trying Wait, to understand this because it seems like an important cultural moment. Eric Zemmour. Eric Zemmour. Um, oh yeah, he looks fun. Yeah, French people are like really concerned about their history and future. But this guy looks so much like a Timothy Chalamet to me. Do you know what I mean? Or does yeah? Would you guys? Was there? A would you rather based off that, or is that just an aside? no? That was more just a request. Okay. Um, um, would love would to hear some <laughs> takes on this. <laughs> would you guys rather be Timothy Chalamet or Lily Rose Depp? Good question, uh-huh. dude. I would rather be yeah. Lily. No, actually, I don't want to be naked like that all the time. I would rather be Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I feel like um, he's just, just like everyone wants to hang out with him. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah, he's he's like a, one of those people that just does like side quests that you see on TikTok. You're just like, what mm-hmm. was he doing here? You know, 
I do think he's one basketball of those... with Adam Sandler. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. I do think he's one of those rare celebrities that somehow hasn't people haven't gotten tired of him yet. Like he hasn't had that phase where people are like, oh, we're not, we don't like him anymore. Yet. Yeah. Which That's seems kind of rare. I mean, even with Lily Rose Depp, who is like someone who ha- people have been obsessed with for years and just couldn't get enough of her. With the idol, people have kind of been like, oh, like maybe we don't like you as much anymore. So I'd rather be Timothy as well. Yeah, I think Timothy is kind of going to last forever. I also heard he smokes a lot of weed. Which he's really? so brocat. Like we know he's brocat when he swags he really or when he plays He's basketball. literally a bro. Like he's a hardcore bro. And I think, I think it's really cool when someone is like, he has a lot going on because he kind of represents a certain beauty ideal. But then he's also a really good actor. But then he's also weirdly a bro and wears like basketball shorts all the time. He also mm-hmm. loves to laugh, which is something I like about he him. Loves like, he loves to laugh. He's like yeah, laughing true. stupidly, but maybe that's because he's smoking so much weed. Like anytime yeah. anyone asks yeah. him a question, he just has to laugh. Have you guys seen his um old YouTube channel where he would modify game controllers <gasps> and put like zebra stripes on them? Bro, what? No. That is yeah. so... Dude. He's so much like James Charles because James Charles's first channel was um, <laughs> him hacking Mario Kart. That's so cute. That's adorable. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, Timothy has has a good life. It seems. I can't wait to see what happens of his career. Yeah, he seems whimsical, and also, yeah, it just seems like he's he's just in to live life oh, for fuck. fun. Where Lily Rose, thing. like, <laughs> damn, <laughs> like Wonka. You. See, Wonka. I just think, like, even if it's bad, it can't be that bad, right? He got a huge bag, probably, know, you know? But it is, like, I super still, weird. I still feel like he's gonna... He's so gonna quiet really up and listen to him. Little... <laughs> <laughs> I've been unable to stop saying that. <laughs> um, That's us every time we record. I feel like he's still gonna... Oh, God. <laughs> he's gonna put he's gonna put <laughs> a lot of himself into the role I know I just I feel like even I like this may be a controversial take because I actually, I actually don't even like him that much but I feel like he can't like make a bad movie for some reason yeah like I've never seen something in face that I'm like this is like really really bad from Khan to Wonka somehow yeah that's just yeah. how I feel I mean I, I think he's definitely gonna be an eternal figure but like he's gonna <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was just thinking about him as a Wonka. That does like change a little bit, but I would still be Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, even same. as Wonka. Same. Yeah, like, it could have been worse. Like, There's so yeah. much pressure for actors. I feel like to take that like one Marvel role, that one DC role. I mean, Barry's done it. Come on, ladies. Like Aaron Taylor Johnson, all these actors that people really like from like originally indie movies. And he didn't actually go down that route. He became Wonka instead, which is way more embarrassing. Yeah. I do think Dune is like a Marvel level thing, though. Do you think Wonka is? No, I think Dune, Dune is. That's like oh, his like, actual Dune star is. vibe. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah. I feel like he, can, he has the bag to like stay away from Marvel. He'll be okay. Oh my god, he really shouldn't do Marvel. I think maybe he's doing Wonka so he doesn't have to do that's Marvel. What, that's yeah. what I'm saying, yeah. yeah. Like, I feel like he made his decisions. Yeah, like Sydney Sweeney's take on, like, how actors don't get paid that much anymore, like, that sort of thing. Like, let him get his back. Is he... Okay, how do you guys think he's going to age? Question. Like, mm, a, I saw this really 
depressing YouTube theory, not theory, it's a YouTube like beauty channel the other day with a theory on like how people age, either they sag or they become sunken in. Um, Mm. And I think he's going to become more hollow. And those are the people that tend to, people say they look really good in their old age. So people like Demi Moore, I think, or Sarah Jessica Parker. Mm -hmm. Um, That would be my take. So I think he's going to become just a more hollow version of himself. Versus Leonardo DiCaprio as someone whose face is sagged a lot. Yeah. That's a good theory. Good to know. No, it's depressing. Don't think about it. Eh, I'm not. I'm trying to, this is, I'm trying to embrace the French, French girl mindset and, well, they all and hollow not fear out. aging. Yeah. That's because oh, they had the hollowing genes. Yeah, it's true. Me thinks. I feel like my, my mom has kind of the hollowing genes, but. Oh, that's mm, good. That's what my Mexican side does, but my Irish side does not, so. It just depends it's on truly the a mystery. distribution in your face. Like, if, if you have more cheeks, then not- you're more likely to sag and shit. Honestly, I don't ever want to, like, think about this again because in the video she talks about the idea of having, like, thick skin. It's, like, if you have heavy skin, your face will sag, which is just, like, such a crazy thing to know about, like, the thickness of your skin. Hmm. Yeah, I do feel like I have very thick skin, but I'm, like, delusionally optimistic about the way that I'm going to age. Like, I don't really know. I feel like, like, no one can convince me that I'm not going to slay at 45. Like, I don't know why. Like, I'm just, like, excited to see it. Um, I think you'll definitely slay at 45. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Slay loading, yeah. I think we're all, we all will. Um, well, do you think we'll, we'll still be podcasting? Yes, we will be. We really will be. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I hope I don't know you guys by then. <laughs> no, we'll see it. We'll see it. <laughs> we're going to um, raise our kids the French way together. I know we oh, are. On podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to podcast in a- French by then. Oh my god, they're gonna eat a baguette filled with chocolate bar. I know. Oh, I guess you know podcasting is probably one of the easiest jobs to have as a parent. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Actually, I disagree. I like, think- you have to lock your kid in a soundproof room. Like, <laughs> oh, as yeah, someone who is on calls with people who have kids all the time, like, kids will just like knock on the door and like <laughs> scream and like just they have no respect for any type of recording <laughs> of any type. If you're kind of, if you're kind of like legit you have a podcasting studio like logan paul oh right mm-hmm. and so i feel like the problem is with calls is that you don't have a podcasting studio but you could just lock your kid out of the podcasting studio yeah, yeah. It's, it's just not something you can like really multitask um parenting with i feel yeah. like i feel like the french would really advocate for locking your kid in a closet <laughs> while you're podcasting no yeah that's a big part of that book is like if your kid's crying like you could just leave it in the closet yeah, like throw it outside like, until it's <laughs> Yeah, a lot of the philosophy is about like ignoring your kids and like not like basically saying that um like giving your kids too much attention and like caring about their needs too much makes them like annoying and needy. Yeah. Yeah. Would you guys rather eat a baguette with chocolate? Yes. Or <laughs> what's another French food? Gruyere cheese. Raclette. Yeah. Would you eat raclette. Would yeah. you eat raclette or a a baguette with chocolate. Baguette with raclette. chocolate. Oh, they kind of rhyme. Yeah, I would have to go yeah, with I baguette over the raclette. Really? I guess I mean, raclette that's is, is Swiss. I'm sorry. It's Swiss? I don't okay. even know if baguette with chocolate is good. Like, it, it sounds, sounds good, so but good. if it's not? It, it sounds really, mm-hmm. really good, but, like, sometimes I do 
try things that sound good in my head and then I'm not as good. But I guess it's a time-worn tradition. I think I'm like paradox. Like I'm, I'm unfortunately and almost impossibly like chocolated out because I've been eating dark chocolate covered espresso beans every single morning for breakfast for like two weeks. And how is that your the- breakfast? That is the very French. I have like a ton of them. You just that's all you eat for breakfast? Like that's, that's- <laughs> yeah, actually, it's just like a handful. Of, like, well, it's a lot of them. It's like mm, like 21, 21. <laughs> espresso beans does it give you but energy? breakfast with it having like dark chocolate espresso beans. <laughs> <laughs> that's you. 21 yeah it's literally but it's like 21 dark chocolate espresso beans. but that's why i've been so hopped up on podcast recordings lately because i've been eating them like the past few episodes we've been reporting in the morning um i don't know how you eat those i think they taste so bad but not because of the I flavor but because of the texture of the bean because you're like i'm literally eating like a wood chip it does feel like a wood chip. It's more airy than one, mm-hmm. but something about it reminds me of like a crystallized honeycomb. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's like that kind of. It's um, like very, very crunchy. Like hardened mousse type thing. It's still airy and crunchy. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I just got addicted to them. And so just like the thought of eating another piece of chocolate right now does not seem appealing to me, but probably in a couple of days I would, I would change my answer to baguette and chocolate. Um. I'm going to try that in the, in the next couple of days as well. Um, all right. Well, thanks everyone for listening to this week's episode. I'm sure you're all still mourning Jane Birkin's death, but out of tragedies come periods of reflection. So stay safe. Well put. Um, yeah, stay safe out there. Yeah, I would, I would suggest reading a French girl guidebook because although they are neurotic they have some funny tidbits that um you might enjoy so yeah maybe you can come up with your own philosophy that's equally as insane from it yeah but no people are already doing that they're like tomato girl like you know like, <laughs> i feel like just let's not do that no, <laughs> like, wait, our, just, like, the styles today don't with. have manifestos that go with them i think like i would love a tomato girl manifesto like does a tomato oh, okay, girl yeah. stop like does she cross the crosswalk when the light is red i feel like yes mm-hmm yeah, because it's red. It's just, <laughs> she's compelled she's and she thinks it's a color. tomato. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she <laughs> um, Yeah, that's actually true. Yeah. Okay. Okay, well. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. <laughs>